Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. Hi, Arthi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Do you really celebrate Christmas Day? I only recently started celebrating Christmas because mm-hmm. my of my kids. I grew up very passionately not celebrating Christmas. I was like, I'm not going to do this because this isn't part of my culture. Yeah. But, you know, kids just kind of pull you into that. Yeah. We have a tree. We put out the presents and everything, but I did ask my sons because they were like, oh, Santa was here. And then I was like, well, who's Santa? And then they're like, Abba, Santa, their dad, which is actually a lie. Okay. Abba's not Santa. Ami is the Santa. Yeah. Mama's Santa. So get out of here. But um, so like, yeah, we'll do that. And then my cousin and I exchanged presents, which was nice because she's staying here with us. But yeah, that's it. What else did I do? I made like a nice breakfast. But like, that was it. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I slept in. My kid gave me a present by making part of a breakfast herself. (laughs) And then she was like, I made the batter. I don't want to pour the pancakes. Can you come down and make me pancakes? Wait, that's amazing. Uh, I cannot wait for that. And all of that, but pancake is delicate. So that's something that she needs help with. But I mean, I need help with pancakes. So, like, that's very impressive, Maya. And good I, for you. Yeah. And I'm not good at it, but um, <laughs> but I guess I. But I'm what does she know? She's 10. So, yeah, she's 10. It tastes good. She eats it. It's fine. It's edible. <laughs> that's great. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we do have. You have a tree. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, what we do is like we put out lights for Diwali in late October, early November, and we just leave them there and we turn them back on during Christmas. So that way, we don't we get that too. Oh, that's a perfect. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we do put up put up a tree that um, she loves, and you know, Santa used to leave gifts, and now it's mom. Yeah, so she because we are not Christians, we she doesn't get um, gifts from relatives and you know folks. Yeah. Around. So it's just me and her dad getting her something. Sometimes yeah. my best friend will bring her stuff. And today we just went to their house instead. And she picked up her a little couple of gifts that she had from her auntie. But that's about it. It's yeah. pretty simple. And then we had a long nap. <laughs> it was very relaxing. Honestly, for me, I grew up always having a nap on holidays because especially like for Muslims, we have Eid. And on Eid, you are up super early, you eat a bunch of food, and then everybody takes a nap around too. So I just feel like holidays to me are like the nap is a necessity. It's like the same thing with Thanksgiving. Like you wake up, you do a bunch of stuff, then you take a nap. So naps are like now essentially how I celebrate holidays. I think they're essential part of any holiday celebration. I think I even prefer – I as I'm growing older, I even prefer the naps to the food. The food is like I don't want to be – because I end up being the cook, right? now true well, the food used to be great and was something to look forward to when i didn't have to do the cooking but now mm. that i have to do the cooking i'd rather just go straight to the nap i want the drink from the nap straight let's just go <laughs> 
just order in, let's eat, let's go back to sleep. <laughs> That's actually a great idea. And actually, yeah. the more I think about it, I think, yeah, you're right. Like everything should be a nap. If you are doing July 4th at the beach, you go, you go yeah. to the beach, you take a nap, and then you wake up and you watch fireworks. Like, okay. I okay. <laughs> That's just it. make napping a holiday. Yeah, napping has to be mandatory on holidays. And that's all we should be looking forward to. Not all the cooking and the gifts and all the stress of having people over. Mm-mm. You know, you come, if you're visiting somebody, bring your own sleeping bag and nap. That's what we're going to do. Come in your pajamas <laughs> and you nap. I love this. I love this new <laughs> tradition. The only thing that you want to be worried about when you do end up taking a nap when you have guests over is that you don't later want that guest to call you out on it and then you get so mad that you uh, grab them by the wig and punch them in the head. Yeah. Especially if the, if the guest that called out called you out is different from the guest that you're <laughs> punching later yeah. on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This anger doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> yes. So Real Housewives <laughs> of Potomac oh, reunion part God. two. Yeah. Uh, This is a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? It is. And you know what's not a gift that keeps on giving? Mm -hmm. Monique's binder. (laughs) Talk about a fall from grace. Talk about a total flop. Yeah. And I said this um, last episode is that I do think that Giselle handled it really well. She was – they were like, well, Giselle, what do you think? And she was like, I've never lied about Jamal's Mm -hmm. uh, indiscretions. I've been very open and honest about all of the things that we've gone through. Jamal and I are just fine. And truly Monique's binder didn't do anything. And Karen tried it again. Karen really tried it again. But you can't make fun of something about Giselle that she already makes fun of herself for. Like even the whole oh, this is just a plot and this is just a storyline. She has actual pictures of herself with Jamal wearing a t-shirt that says the plot and the storyline. So she's already made fun of herself. So at this point, they kind of look dumb. And I know people hate Giselle, which is fine. And I will say that the thing that I would be irritated about is the fact that, okay, well, you brought a fake relationship on TV. But Jamal being a piece of shit doesn't really do anything for Giselle. Giselle knows that he's a piece of shit. Her kids know he's a piece of shit. Her dad knows that he's a piece of shit. Like, yeah. If she tried to have a storyline next year, she'll dump him. She'll move on and say, you know, it was all true. And he didn't want to be part of this. And then we just couldn't hang out. And that was it. And that'll, that'll be it. Everybody actually moved on from that binder pretty fast. Everyone was uh, across the board. Everybody was impressed with how well she had done bindering and how yeah. well tabulated it was. Giselle and Robin had a good <laughs> laugh about it. But then, you know, they just went on and, you know, they got hungry. And so that's yeah. all they're talking about. They're like, okay, time to eat. Let's eat. <laughs> it's an hour long lunch break. Let's eat. And it was just Mooney and Chris still revved up in that room. Yeah. Well, the rest of them were like, okay, let's get out of these lemon outfits and eat because yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, someone undo my Spanx. I got to eat a sandwich. Yeah. Like, I get it. <laughs> and it was so funny because when they were cutting for break, Monique was talking to Ashley and she was like, oh, you want to play dirty? I'll play dirty. And I was like, Monique, nobody's even talking to you. Like you're what no one is talking to you any differently than they than you have been talking about them. And I want to bring up one thing that's really important, which is everybody's like, oh, 
Monique dragged Giselle because Giselle dragged Monique's family and talked about the trainer and everything like that. And it's like Monique brought Sherman's ex on camera while Giselle was dating him to talk about Sherman's indiscretions, specifically to air out his dirty laundry from when he was married to this woman. For what? Just to drive Giselle's boyfriend right. away. And so I don't see how Giselle is doing anything differently than what Monique has done before. Ashley did this with Karen and Blue Eyes. Yeah. Like, they all do it. I think the, the, the underlying thing here is that, okay, let's go through all the characters, right? Jamal, yeah. piece of shit. Yes. Yeah. Giselle and Robin are shitsters and yep. they are messy. Yes. Yeah. Therese tried to get back into the game with the plotation as, <laughs> as Candace put it. Yes. The plot was stupid. Yes. So it was dropped. Yes. It never was played out on the show. So yes. <laughs> we are discussing something that may not we may not even have known if not for Monique bringing it out. Okay. Yes. Angry about something that happened off camera and it had been happening for two years and it involved her son and his paternity, which is shitty and horrible. But that was on Gigi and Cherise, not and Giselle might have just been you know trying to get Monique riled up for drama, but it didn't happen. Yep. So there. Done. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, you know, the only thing that aired was Monique knocking the hell out of Candace for her big mouth, threatening to go after her some more, and then all the lawsuits and everything. So that happened on camera, on TV yep. that we all know about. All of this other stuff, the binder itself came out as a sidebar that just came out of nowhere and had nothing yep. to do with the actual fight that happened. Yeah. Monique, what I realized... And I and it actually just occurred to me right now as you were kind of detailing out the things that did happen and didn't happen is that we didn't know about all of this other side business, Gigi and her plot and all this stuff until after we found out that there was a fight and that after oh, we right. found out all this stuff. After the very first or second or maybe third episode, Monique got on Instagram Live and started telling everybody the story about Gigi and how she went to everybody and their mama and these girls were going to talk about it on camera. Yeah. And she said this in order to say, like, that's why my issues with Candace are much bigger than they're showing on the show. Right. But the thing is, she only started to say that stuff after the show started to air. If this was really the truth, if this was really what was going on, then why didn't she come out with all this information last fall when the blog started talking about how Monique and Candace got into a fight. No, at that time, Monique made sure that the blogs talked about how Candace yeah. threw a glass in Monique's face and Candace busted up Monique's lip and Candace was the aggressor. That's yeah. how she tailored the blogs. But once the footage started to air and Monique knew that her ass was grass, she decided to pull out the second story about Gigi. But again, it's like you said, and it's like Candace said in a video on Instagram, she admitted, yes, there was a conversation, but she was not, and I quote... I never contributed to the plotation of the conversation. <laughs> the hateration. Was, there, was, yes. there was no toleration, no hateration in this dancery. 
Like I, I love her fucking crazy word salad. Yeah, and then Candace is she a dumb mouthy person? Yes. Yeah. Even in that video, she says there's there was a plot. I was there, but I was not part of the plotation. And then yeah. the very next instant, she's like, "And Monique, why would you think we are plotting about you? Because what do you? Why are you, are you that special?" I was like, "You just admitted you had a plot." Well, here's the thing: her word salad is so dumb. I don't even know what it means. Uh, I never can. Contributed to the plotation of the conversation. So were you not involved in the conversation or were you not involved in the plotting? What does plotation of the conversation even mean? Yes. It's like Karen calling herself a formidable institution of a business and marriage. It makes no goddamn sense. Right. And then two minutes into the same video, she says, and Monique, why would anybody think they're plotting against you? Are you that special? I'm like, you just said two minutes yeah. ago that there was a plotation of a conversation or whatever. There was yeah, something but, to do with it and you were there. And now yeah. you're saying, why would anybody be talking about you? Are you that special? Yeah, it's like we you you just admitted that you were we were all talking about you. And now you're like, you're not that special. We didn't talk about you. No, you did talk yeah. about her. I will say to that point that Karen said Candace called her really upset after that dinner. And so Karen knows that Candace wasn't involved. Karen mm-hmm. knows that Candace was really upset. Karen knows all of that stuff. And that's, I think, the reason why Candace was so upset on stage. That's why she started crying. I actually felt really sad for her. Like, I understand not seeing somebody for that long, and especially even on on the show when Monique talks to her pastor and she's crying and she says Candace didn't deserve that. I could imagine that Candace was going into this maybe hoping that once Monique sees her, that it could get better. But Candace doesn't also help her situation because if she had been sitting there for like two hours before that, not saying anything, not making her snide remarks, not calling her vain, all these things, then maybe Monique would have reacted differently. But I also at the same time understand Candace being like, yeah, I don't want to see myself getting beat up like that. And for the lies to continue from somebody who I really cared about, from somebody who I really thought was my friend. Yeah. And is Candace wrong in everything she does on Twitter and yeah. Is Monique wrong in beating her up? Yes, it's all, they're all wrong. They're all messy. And and what I don't understand is how online folks are either completely on Candace's side or completely on Giselle's side or completely on Monique's side and don't see that they're all wrong. They're all messy. And not that they deserve all that has happened to them, but they all had a hand in all of that. And there's no point in taking sides because there's no good guy here. The only only team that I want to be on is Team Victoria, the Karen's wing. <laughs> I think... And she's the only one that I want to support. Not even Karen. Karen's wig is the one. And I was like, <laughs> this is getting scary because, you know, here we have this elderly couple, Karen and Ray, and they are <laughs> caught up in this mess. And next week looks even scarier. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm worried for the elderly now. <laughs> we need to protect our elderlies at all costs. Isn't Haven't we learned anything in 2020, guys? You have to get AARP involved. This is not <laughs> yeah. this is not cool. This is not how you treat your elders. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about Candace, but I also want to talk about a couple other things that they did talk about at the reunion, which was Ashley's marriage. That segment got me so mad and angry. It was insane. Ashley basically admits that she cheated on her husband in the past. Yeah. And then she said, that's why I wasn't surprised when that whole thing happened. Okay. Let, Let me put a 
pin on that. She says, I have not been the ideal wife to my husband. I also, you know, had fun when we while we were separated. So she takes the blame for what he did, first of all. Mm-hmm. And mm. says, oh, I'm, uh, that was because I was also the same way. But when you were separated, Ashley, it doesn't mean the same thing. And also, just because you did something doesn't mean he has to do something either. And this mm-hmm. was, again, even Giselle did that. She was like, it's my fault that Jamal and I have had issues communicating and it was all my fault. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. why are you these women taking the fault mm-hmm. on themselves? Like, Ashley is defending him, but defending him as something that she should have been a better wife so he wouldn't have been wandering around as you're saying this i realize karen does the same thing karen is like i expected a lot from ray but you know ray's been taking care of me all this time i shouldn't expect anything from him or ray uh, oh ray was upset because i was focusing on the business robin says it how after she had a baby she wasn't there for Juan the way that Juan needed so that's why Juan stepped out there's a lot of victim blaming happening they take on the blame the self-blaming was it got me i was so mad when Ashley said that and then she's flippant about the other stuff that Andy brings up and he says that you know the the video footage came out talking about the butts and he's she's like oh I don't think I think they were like flirtatious the can't the guy producer was flirting with my husband but not in a sexual way they just had a playful way when Andy comes back I was surprised Andy came back and said we did ask him and yep. he said it was not consensual or is that he didn't like it or whatever and she's like oh that's funny because he calls Mike daddy yeah It's really gross. It's really gross. She says he wouldn't do that with somebody he doesn't have a relationship with. That's why he didn't do it with that guy, the cameraman who accused him. And it's like, you shouldn't do that with somebody at all. It it doesn't matter how close you are. It doesn't matter if that person calls you daddy. You don't put your hands on another person without consent, period. It was fucking wild to watch And it was wild. I was upset that Andy wasn't even more out rage by what her response it just went into you know everybody else talking and laughing about it the other thing that bothered me was michael is not part of this reunion i'm like yeah like not just this he's not going to answer this but the last fight that happened in the finale, that's never going to be addressed properly because yep. Michael is... And, and I think what's really g- gross is the fact that Karen made such a big deal about Jamal not being there. But when Ashley, who's fucking predator husband, doesn't show up to defend his predatory behavior, and now Ashley's the one who's now defending her predator husband, it's all really fucked up. Like, I'm shocked that Karen never said, is Michael here? No, of yeah. course he's not here. Monique doesn't say anything about it. It's really this bizarro world double standard. Like, this is why the whole thing about what Pastor Bryant is doing and who he's doing and this hour and a half long interview that this random lady decided to drop, who, by the way, is a massive fan of the show and probably wants to be cast on. This woman talking about whatever Jamal Bryant is doing with her doesn't really fucking matter because one, Jamal Bryant isn't on the show. And what he does off camera doesn't matter. But Michael Darby is touching people who work on the show. He's touching his wife's co-workers and he's fighting with his wife's co-workers and he's yelling at his wife's co-workers. He needs to defend that. So I really don't give a shit 
who Jamal Bryant fucks off camera. I give a shit about who Michael Darby is harassing the fucking predator that he is. You know that if when Chris Bassett pushed Michael Darby, if he had tripped and fallen, he would be suing Andy and the network. He oh, would absolutely. be suing them. And mm-hmm. they don't even bother to put the fire under his ass and put him on spot and protect their employees. That is the part that I got mad. I'm like, your employees told you that this wasn't mm-hmm. welcome and this happened. And you did nothing. And you keep having Michael Darby every year. And his yep. wife is sitting there making slight of what happened. And she kind of laughs. She's like grinning. Like, yeah, I, I'm surprised. He called He called him daddy or whatever. I'm like, this is not laughable matter. How is this even okay? And for Andy to sit there and just brush it up and move on to the next subject was too much. It was just, I was so shocked by that whole part. It was just so gross. It was so gross. It was gross. And then Karen is like, so that's when Karen says, oh, I support Ashley because she's trying to keep her family together. There's kids involved. And that's when Andy is like, well, Giselle's trying to keep her family together. Why doesn't that matter? And Karen is like, well, I just want Giselle to be a real family like yeah what what's the difference she has three human children with with this man and prior to him deciding to come on the show Giselle has gone on record on multiple shows all over her social media talking about how Jamal is a part of their life it's not like Jamal isn't a part of their life I just don't think the girls really want Jamal to be a part of their life. And now I kind of understand why. Probably because the girls are like, we don't care if mom is with him, but we don't really want him on camera because then look at all of the mess, the whole ass mess that gets dragged on TV about our piece of shit dad. Like, that's probably it. I do want to ask you, do you think Karen is coming from a a good place when she asks? No. When she talks? (laughs) No. She's just, she's just... She's enjoying, this is the first year that Giselle is getting quite a bit. And Karen is not in the hot seat. Do you realize that this is the first year that Karen Mm -hmm. is not in the hot seat? Mm -hmm. And she is thoroughly enjoying Giselle Mm -hmm. being in the hot seat. That's all she cares about. Karen is in her own mind. She's in a show against Giselle. It's a Karen-Giselle show. Mm -hmm. Everybody Mm -hmm. else does not matter and does not count. Nobody else counts. None of the other relationships matter to her. It's only yeah. for her. Giselle questioned her LaDame fragrance. Giselle came after her husband's business. Giselle came after her marriage. And Karen has been waiting years to see Giz get uncomfortable. And she's yeah. enjoying every little bit of it. Okay. That's what she's doing. And she's not, she's not really involving herself. She's just throwing a little bit of spice here and there and just sitting back and enjoying the enjoying the show. She was more of an audience in this whole thing. All, all we kept seeing was her making all kinds of faces. <laughs> so many pursed lips. Oh, I'm I'm caught, I'm shocked that at this point, Karen's lips aren't just glued to each other with yeah. the, the effort with which she purses them. Because... She- she exercises Ugh. them so much she doesn't need any lip injections or anything. They are <laughs> they are well exercised and pouty. Well, she's gonna need she's gonna need some filler around her mouth because she's gonna put so many lines into her face by making that ridiculous face all the time. Um, I did love the fact that Andy was like, Karen, year after year I ask you questions and you just give me a river of words. And I was like, a river of words is exactly <laughs> What Karen does, like formidable institute of a business and a marriage is the most (laughs) luxurious river of delusion I've ever heard in my life. And I absolutely fucking love it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I think you nailed it to say that, like, Karen's been in the hot seat all these years with Giselle throwing a little bit of spice and now she's getting to enjoy it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love the Karen and Giselle feud the way I love the Ramona versus Bethany feud. Yes. It's like the same type of silliness that I just yes. eat up because the way Bethany digs at Ramona is how Giselle digs at Karen. And occasionally <laughs> Ramona gets back at Bethany, but it's like, it's just so good. Ugh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Now let's, okay, go back to Monique versus Candace. The funniest thing about this was that when we go into this fight, Andy's like, bravo, doesn't condone violence. And I just want to point out, here's a couple of things I just remembered off the top of my head of all the times that bravo has been fine with violence. Stassi slapping Kristen. Anytime there's been a fight in Vanderpump Rules, Teresa flipping a table, Danielle pulling hair, Nini beating up a cameraman or producer, I don't know what, Portia and Kenya. Brandy threw a wine glass at someone. Brandy slapped LVP. Like, those are just the ones I had off the top of my head. (laughs) What about all of that? Okay. Let's not act crazy here. Like, Bravo is this, like, sweet network that, like, never shows any type of violence. Like, I feel like Bravo owes so much to Teresa Judice flipping Mm -hmm. a table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insane that they're talking about not showing violence. Teresa flipped a table at a restaurant where people were seated. Glass flew places it's around yeah it's crazy yeah oh also remember when joe and joe fought at that place oh and then joe, yeah. joe's black hairspray got all over the place Ugh, i love exactly. that <laughs> new york that was the yeah. best fight they fight at the christening where he just lifted little joe off the ground <laughs> he went in he went rammed into him with his head and <laughs> <laughs> and Lucy just lifted a little Joe off the ground. Good old days. But see, that one, we don't find it to be shocking. But I don't feel bad with that fight. I don't know why, but that felt stupid and funny. It was like two, two drunk idiots going at each other. The season when Stassi slapped Kristen and then they had the oh, reunion afterwards. Funny. Andy made jokes to Stassi about slapping Kristen. Like yeah. it was like, oh, ha, ha, you slapped her like that's not that, cool. and that was a hard slap it wasn't a simple slap that was hard Kristen's neck it went all the way around and came back <laughs> it was it was it was scary that was a hard slap it was it was a lot first season of Amanda pump and Jax takes off his sweater stupid ass sweater in the parking yeah. lot to fight Frank. Yeah. Amazing. Wonderful condoned violence that we enjoy. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. The reason why it doesn't make sense to say that is then you are making this a much more serious matter mm-hmm. than it is, right? So we yeah. talked this season about respectability politics, right? And how we can't blame one franchise for painting Black women a specific way because it's problematic in a, a, right. in many ways. So Andy now calling out one franchise and talking about how it doesn't condone violence that it showed on this show makes it seem like it's a bigger problem than mm-hmm. it is. Is it a problem that Monique beat up Candace? Yes. Is it something that I think should fire Monique? Yeah, I, I actually do think. I think Monique needs to sit a season out. But when you say something like Bravo doesn't condone violence, it now paints this particular franchise in the exact picture that the people are saying we cannot be painting these people. You know what I mean? And so I found that to be very problematic. Judging them by a standard that's different from all the other franchises which have all all had problematic 
issue. Exactly. Monique starts to give her reasons for why she did all this. And they talk about Charisse and all this stuff. And I have to point out the same thing that everybody's pointing out, which is Charisse had the opportunity to say stuff multiple times on the show. She was at Candace's party. She was at Ashley's party. She was at Robin's party. She had multiple opportunities to bring something up. There was nothing stopping her from doing so. But for some reason, Monique still blames Candace for Charisse being on the show, even though Charisse said nothing on the show. The other flip side of it is that there, Monique also says that Giselle, when she talked about Charisse and Monique fell apart at the same time that the rumors about the trainer started and the fact that trainer and Monique had an affair and the baby may not be. So apparently she says the baby may not be Chris's and Bravo editors cut it out. So I feel like maybe there could be comments from Cherise or anybody else that were cut out. So we didn't hear it, but mm-hmm. Cherise might have said something in these encounters that we haven't heard of, which is quite possible. But Monique doesn't bring that up and say that's what. It's a fine line to say that Monique should not be mad about all of that. She should be. But she doesn't bring it up and address it because she didn't want to she says she only brought it up because Giselle brought it up which she wasn't aware of until she saw the footage so then Giselle hadn't brought it up in that vacuum Monique you you look even worse when you went and beat up Candace for just being mouthy like Bethany says you cannot be you cannot claim to be smart and stupid at the same time yes and that's exactly what Monique is doing she's pretending to be smart and stupid she's pretending to be like I'm so hip on you guys and what you were trying to do and the storyline that you guys were plotting and all this stuff but then when it comes to like why did you beat up Candace she's like I blacked out and it was that she put her hand under my chin and that's why. Yes, Candace did say, what, what, Monique? Are you going to drag me, Monique? Are you going to, I'm doing the the motion as if anybody can see me, but, (laughs) but she's doing it. But then the girls say, they're like, but that's not what caused you to grab her hair. You didn't black out at that point. You didn't even say that's what caused you to grab her hair. You're not saying I grabbed her hair because I had just heard about everything that she had plotted with Cherise and I was aware of it and knew what she was going to do and talk about. And that's why I was mad. You're not even blaming that. You're bringing up another story yep. and not to- connecting it to the event that we all watch. So it doesn't She's sense. expecting people to get really mad at just this general group of girls and to mm-hmm. question their reliability. Mm-hmm. All she's doing is bringing up things that make these people look like bad people and therefore we should not believe them. That's what she's doing. And it's not working because despite what all the other things that may have happened off camera or whatever, whether or not we believe them or not, when they were there in that moment, all Candace said was I love Monique even if she pretends like she's sleeping when Mm -hmm. I'm saying bye to her. And then Monique gets on her about not having kids and obviously Candace is an idiot because she's like, oh, we're mom shaming. And I was like, that's not what mom shaming is, Candace. You're yeah. a dumb dumb. And right. then they start going at it back and forth. When Monique starts to flick Candace's hair, mm-hmm. that's when Giselle pushes her back. Yeah. And that's when Monique says, well, I thought that I got pushed back. And that's when I went to go and hit her. But when yeah. – and she says that as the video is playing. But then yeah. later when they ask her and they say, like, Monique, like, what what was the trigger? What triggered you? And she said, oh, it was when Candace did that thing under my chin and I saw her fingers go near my face. Yeah. And Candace says, I didn't do that. But then yeah. the footage shows, yes, Candace did do that. 
That being said, that instance happens much earlier than when she starts to pull her hair and drag her. So again, it's like, Monique, you can't be smart and stupid. None of this makes any sense. It does not add up. And then she just blames it on the fact that like, well, the state didn't think anything of it. So we should just let it go. In Monique's perfect situation, what she wants is for everybody to say, ugh, Giselle, Robin, all these women, they're bad people. They talked about Monique and her family, and that's why she had to come for them. But it's, again, it's like, then come for Giselle, then come for Robin. You still are not telling us why you came for Candace. Oh, well, Candace is really mean to everybody on Twitter. Okay, yeah, Candace is bad on Twitter. But prior to the attack, Candace was never saying anything about you on Twitter. So that is out. Okay. Oh, well, well, um, Candace put her hand under my chin. Okay. Candace did put her hand under your chin, but that's not the moment that you were triggered. So it's like all of these things are not adding up. She just keeps saying things and she wants people to not question it because she keeps using this thing of like, well, I'm just trying to protect my family. You could be protecting your family, but protect your family from Giselle, who, by the way, you were planning a party with in the beginning of the season who, by the way, is the person that put it in your head that Candace was palling up with Cherise. Exactly. You know all about the tea, that bullshit right. website or whatever? They're big with Monique. They post yeah. out a lot of stuff that Monique wants. And in it, there's an article where she said, oh, I don't trust Giselle and people paying too much attention to what Giselle did on the show. You know, my issues with Candace are separate. Okay, what are your issues with Candace? That's the thing I'm still not getting. You have a big ass fucking binder. You have a tab called Post-It, but you still have no idea what Candace did. And Candace is sitting up there crying and it's very sad and I totally understand that. But Monique has no remorse. And then she says, you know, she isn't emotional. But it's like, yeah, you are. You cried about it on camera. You cried about it in front of your pastor. But watching her sit there and cry, that doesn't make you feel anything. And she's like, well, this is just how I process it. Okay. Yeah. Then what are you doing here? It doesn't make you look like a great person. Like, I still don't understand why anybody would think that Monique is in the right here, except for the simple reason that they just don't like Candace. Like, that's that's the reason why. I think everybody that you talk to about Monique, why do you think Monique is right? Is because, oh, Candace said, told the blogger to go die and, uh, you know, he should be dead and he died. And Candace is just a terrible person, which is all true, but it has nothing to do with Monique. You know, you can hate Candace and you can hate Monique at the same time, by the way, people. You can do both. It's yeah. Fun. It's actually yeah. fun. Yeah, it's really fun. That's actually what makes it the most fun is when you can hate both people. You don't have to take sides. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes this so fun. That's why like early seasons of Beverly Hills was so great because everybody was kind of garbage. Like, okay, as somebody from New Jersey, this is why I love watching New Jersey because everybody on New Jersey is horrible. Like. That's what makes it so fun. None of these people are great people. So it's like, you know, they're all just there to collect a paycheck. Oh, speaking of pay- paycheck, Monique is like, oh, I don't need the the paycheck from this job because Chris makes plenty of money. Maybe true because I Which don't Which may be true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's when Andy is like, well, Chris doesn't make the same money that he did before. And Monique gets a little bit like defensive. I got too. I was like, Andy, shut up. You don't yeah. know what they make. You don't know what money Chris makes. Why are you going down there? Why are you see Andy was inserting himself and being judgy in that instance? I found Andy to be obnoxious in this whole thing with Michael Darby and then picking on stuff that doesn't even matter. So how, how why does it matter whether Chris has money or has much as much money as before or not? That was just a petty thing to say. Yeah, that's true. A real quick correction on my mm-hmm. part, because I did yeah. watch part one again. 
Okay. Okay. On the topic of colorism and why people were mad at Wendy, I will say that Wendy saying that aggressive and ferocious is wrong, but not calling out Candace for saying ghetto and hood rat is problematic. Like, Wendy, if you're going to get mad about somebody saying aggressive and ferocious, you should be getting mad at your girlfriend here who uses the term ghetto and hood rat and all that stuff all the time, too. Right. And I don't care how angry you think Candace was allowed to be when Monique punched her in the head. But if you're going to get mad about aggressive, you should hold other people to the same standard, even if they are your friend. Yeah. So speaking of Candace, we touched on this last week about this Portia versus Candace beef. And last week we were like, Candace, shut the fuck up. Why are you coming for Portia Luther King? But I got some more background on here. Mm. And now here's the, here's the thing. Candace is a fucking maniac. Okay. Candace needs to shut the fuck up. Candace has a really bonkers response to things, but that is what we expect from Candace. That right. being said, Candace did not come for Portia. Ooh. Portia sent for Candace, okay? Ah, I In the words of that. Twirl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Portia was on that stupid ass show with Hannah Burner. They were talking about Candace's house and all this stuff. And Portia said, laughing, that Candace probably just sued Monique so that she could get a down payment for her house so that she could move out of her mama's house, right? And look- Which you have said too, and which I have said too. Yeah, we've made the same damn joke, okay? Yeah, we have. So we've we've said Portia it multiple times. Listen, Portia listens to us. It's possible. Was it funny? Yeah, it was funny, okay? Because we made the same damn joke. <laughs> Admittedly, also, if somebody punched, if a rich person punched me in the head, I would also be coming for their money. Yeah. But Portia said this on a nationally televised show talking about her on her platform, and she said, well, I heard from Monique that that's what she did. So what she did is she made a comment and she gave Monique an extra bump in a plap and the ability for other people to hear Monique's side of things. Uh-huh. She kind of turned into Monique's mouthpiece a little bit. And yeah. that is enough of a reason why Candace would then respond to that. Like if Candace being the crazy person that she is, is wishing death upon ill bloggers, then Candace is obviously going to come for Portia if Portia is publicly talking about Candace. Is Candace right in the things that she said? No, she's dumb. But Candace didn't come for Portia out of nowhere. <laughs> She okay. just does what good, Candace does. Good clearing the air. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, again, doesn't make what Candace said right or what Portia said right. Doesn't make any of that right. But no. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. So uh, speaking of Portia, Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. Portia uh, got arrested, but then oh, yeah. she goes to a pool party with a really hot girl and a creepy husband. And also she's smoking hookah. In a pandemic, and during I, I don't understand it during a pandemic. Oh. So she wore a mask, came in there, took the mask <laughs> off, and started yeah. smoking. And then so- the funniest thing about it was like they all had their own little plastic pieces to put on top of the pipe. But it's like, bitch, what do you think is happening when you're putting your mouth on the plastic piece and sucking in air yeah. and then handing it to an? You're not changing the whole pipe. Mm-hmm. It's still the same pipe, idiot. I think I'm wondering if it was like really early on. Mm-mm. No, this was this was like the summer. So I feel like it was yeah. just stupid. Again, just because you are woke on one topic doesn't mean <laughs> that you are woke on another. Yep, exactly. Portia has much more learning to do on yes, the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it, but Jesus, <laughs> Cynthia does. Oh, um, my God. Drew, yeah. Drew shows her... Terrible husband. And all I got to say about that is like, 
He's just a piece of shit and he has to go. And I don't know how much more longer I can see this man on TV. He's so controlling and she's trying hard, but that's not going to change him. I mean, she's putting in a good faith effort, but that's not going to change this man. He's not going to change who he is. And um, I feel sad for her. Yeah. Is that why you came on on The Real Housewives so you could easily transition out of the yeah. marriage? I don't it's know. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Kenya continues to blossom her friendship with LaToya. And the only thing that I cannot wait for from this is to watch this exact relationship crash and burn. Like Kenya comes in so hot. And like it's exactly people like this with these kinds of personalities that like once you get into a fight with that person, ooh, child, like yeah. it's going to get real nasty. Yes. <laughs> and LaToya, it seems like she would be just as nasty as Kenya would be. At the oh, she is. LaToya would be like 15 times worse. And I can't wait for that. Yeah. She makes me very uncomfortable and I, I want to watch more of her at the same time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. this is some, this, something's going to pop off here. <laughs> yeah. She's a YouTuber. Like that's what oh, she is. That? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I don't know who she was and what. Like, but she came in like everybody knew her. She was very comfortable. Yeah. So I looked her up, and her husband Adam is a YouTuber. So you know, wife of a YouTuber automatically also becomes famous. Automatically, also, she's like one of those people that has like an account for her children. You know, uh-huh. it's all of that. <laughs> Moving on, Cynthia and her super spreader wedding planning. Oh my god, it's actually it was upsetting to me watching this. I don't know what she was. I couldn't tell what she was upset about. She agreed that they had, they would they would get married. She wanted to get married on that date. Stupid he, ass date. Yeah, which is a stupid thing to do. Kim Zolciak did something similar to this, I think. And Ugh. it's like uh, it's like I, I don't understand people getting hung up on dates. And then she wanted to have that date, but she was she more than the, she, he was very particular about the date. And marrying her, and she was particular about the wedding, and but also um, the date, but also the date, but also the location, mm-hmm. and it was like she's like, I deserve this. I need a big wedding. I'm like, didn't you have a big wedding and then the wow renewal? Yeah. What is it that you feel like you need to prove this time around? And he is happy getting married to you in a courthouse. Yeah. And during a pandemic, why would you not just do that? What what is this need to do this big wedding? He was being extremely patient with her. Yeah. I liked him in that moment. I was like, he's so patient with her. I was going nuts. Yeah. It was just hilarious also that Cynthia does this whole thing. They walk through. Her sister is like, so are you guys going to do it on that date? Like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know if like if things are going to get worse or better. But like right now we really want it on that date. And then he, they're like, well, what if by then we should not have it because it's 250 people? What if we can't do it that by then because we don't know what's going on with COVID? Yeah. She's like, well, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I don't need it on that day. I said I want it on that day, but I don't need it on the day. And then they flash back to like every time she's talked about the day. And then they go 51 seconds late earlier. Yeah. She talks about the date. She's got and her dumbass fucking earrings. Yes. That earring was – Why? what if you don't have that wedding on that day then what are you going to do with the earring oh my god dump it in the trash earlier in the episode she goes to work out with candy and kenya 
And they're like, so what's going on with the wedding? And she goes, oh, we're just going to plan it based on Georgia's rules. And I have to say, that's a fucking problem because you know what? Georgia has really fucking shitty rules. Yeah. Georgia is one of the worst states dealing with the pandemic right now. Oh like, my God. They're Florida bad. They're really, really bad. Their numbers have consistently been terrible. And their government does not give a shit except for Atlanta because Atlanta is like its own place. It's like its own state basically within Georgia. But even, in Atlanta, even in Atlanta. But even in Atlanta, yeah, it's really bad. And like for her to be like, oh, well, we're just going to do it based off of Georgia's rules is so insanely callous. Even at the walkthrough, even though Mike is like telling her, you know, we, you got to get over this. Like we got, we got to figure it out. Like you have to think about the actual pandemic. She's like, I don't want to think about the pandemic. And she's like, he's like, you have to think about the pandemic. We're in the pandemic. And he goes, we're wearing masks right now. But it was so funny because they're wearing those dumbass, the ones that Ronnie calls the check cashing masks. Mike isn't even wearing his mask. He's wearing it like a visor. Like he's wearing it like a cap. So he's like, we're wearing masks right now. It's like, Mike, you're not even wearing the mask correctly. (laughs) So like you're, it was just, it was frustrating because I think that for some reason I get from Cynthia's whole walkthrough is that she thought I'm going to walk them through this place and they're going to be like, wow, it's perfect. Yeah. The date is perfect. Yeah. We like definitely need to have it here. And then they would just be so enchanted by it that they would be fine with it. But Mallory and Mike are like, "Mm, yes, this is wonderful. If you can get married here, I absolutely think that you should, but we are still in a pandemic. And I think what Cynthia wants is what she wants. And she doesn't want to hear anybody else giving her any guff. And we obviously know that she did get her date and she did get her wedding and she did get her, get her 250 fucking indoor guests. Yeah. (sighs) She did all of that. And our national treasurer, Karen Hugo, went (laughs) to that wedding. And so, yeah, it was, it was like watching that happen. If something had happened to Karen after the wedding. Yeah, I would, I would charge Cynthia for the murder of Karen oh, Huger. Yes, I, I, I would. But this is what I'm saying. Like Georgia, and as you said, Georgia is terrible. Like a sidebar, just this weekend, my friend who is a pediatric sonography technician, she's a senior technician, her son got tested positive. Mm-hmm. And her company told her that as long as he's isolated in the house and she doesn't have symptoms, mm-hmm. she could still come in and treat patients. That's insane. But if she gets a test, then she has to wait until the test results come through. I'm like, so if you don't test, you can mm-hmm. still come and work with patients mm-hmm. and she does cardiac sonography so it's you know sonography for cardiac issues and many of those patients are young or, or much older patients and her company was like as long as you don't get tested you can still come in it's so and if gross. you don't have symptoms you can still come in and she said that is the cdc d- direction that they are following she went and got herself tested and she was like i'm almost glad she's positive now and she was like i'm almost glad i'm positive so i don't have to go in Yeah, it's ridiculous. Atlanta was great, but I do think that if we continue to watch Cynthia plan the super spreader spreader event, it's going to get upsetting for me. It is. I think I'm going to get anxiety too with that. Yeah. I I know nothing, you know, it happened and nobody fell ill, at least nothing that we know of. But just watching her do that is stressful. And watching what Portia does, just them filming and being casual about it. They're trying, but they're not trying really hard. Um, That is making me nervous. And I know there are other Housewife franchises that I've started filming. Um, I know OC did it already. 
but others are also starting to film and that is making me all kinds of nervous. Yeah. You know what else makes me nervous? What else? Brooks Marks. <laughs> Brooks does. Marks and his dumbass fucking fashion okay. show. This was the saddest fashion show since She Bechere. Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. It was a fashion show without any fashions except for uh, sweatpants. And apparently the hardness that comes with it that he was wearing is not included. Yeah, harness not included. That's all he did was design one tracksuit. My one note about this fashion show is Meredith is so weird. Her son is so weird. I don't like them. Seth is also weird. That's all it says. Yeah. I don't care about this weird ass family. And everybody's always like, Ben and Ronnie pointed this out also about in Salt Lake City and just like also on the internet. Everybody's like, oh, Meredith, Queen Meredith. Meredith is so classy and she's so cool and whatever. I'm like, Meredith is weird. Meredith is weird. She's wearing that hat. She does the fashion show. She does her walk. It's really awkward. Like, I don't understand why this person is famous. I don't understand where her son thinks that he's cool. I don't understand why we're dealing with any of it. They all have really bad vocal fries. Like, I I find them cloyingly annoying. This Cloying is the word for them. They talk cloyingly. It's almost regret speaking, but they're going to speak and... (sighs) Oh, it just like just can you just say what you want to say and be quick about it because it's taking for far too long for you to say what you want to say that the whole family is weird. It was kind of sad to watch the Brooks and his dad thing. Yeah, the dad could have called him before the show and after the show and congratulated him. But I also felt like the dad doesn't think it's a big deal, which as a viewer, I thought it wasn't a big deal. So I was like, okay, you you created a tracksuit and you're walking and it's a big deal for you. Okay, fine. Yeah. But he also seems to be paraphrasing what Meredith might think and say. Mm-hmm. He's, I felt like he was almost orchestrating that himself. Like Brooks mm-hmm. was orchestrating this drama, which mm-hmm. wasn't really drama. Yep, I agree. Because also Meredith is like, it was a big deal because it wasn't just his first fashion show. It was also the first fashion show he's ever walked in. But we also saw like two episodes ago where he just finds out that he's walking in the fashion show too. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to go on a juice cleanse. Like, I don't see it. And also Brooks is an asshole. Like, Brooks is an asshole. Seth is an asshole. Meredith seems like she's very uncomfortable around all these terrible people. Her kids treat her like shit. Brooks treats her like shit. He, yeah, he kind of rules what she does and thinks. And I think he influences a lot. You know, she just listens to him. The other thing was that he did all of this and he was upset with his dad. But then it was his mom, Meredith, who told the dad not to be around here. So the dad is trying to do the right thing by his wife. Meredith does bring that up later on. And she says, I shouldn't. I told him to stay away and he stayed away to give me space. And now Brooks is mad. But why doesn't she? speak up then and make stop Brooks from speaking like that to his dad it's really weird I don't like it I do think that Meredith is one of those people like remember when we first met Kim Richards or when we first met Taylor Armstrong a lot of these really weird women and we were like something's up like 
we're not getting the full backstory here. And then all of a sudden things started to come out about these people. I feel like Meredith is going to be one of those people as we get to know her. Because Mm. this is not a normal lady like from Chicago who's just been like supporting her husband. If you even look at Meredith's pictures from like four years ago, she had a whole other face. Yeah. And she does a lot of Dorit Photoshop. If you see all of her pictures online on her Instagram – her son is really having a day with Facetune on her because she looks like a whole other person. I think like, he's managing her. He's like the Chris Jenner of Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of good kids mm-hmm. and good storylines <laughs> is Heather. So oh. first Heather talks to Whitney about the taboo of growing up Mormon and how unmarried Mormon women, but also divorced Mormon women are treated so differently and they cannot get into heaven until some guy takes pity on them and marries them. We also see her talk to her children about considering leaving the church, but her struggles to because she feels like it's going to be a detriment to them socially. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Please share them. She makes a very painful statement. She says, I'm not worthy, worth the pain it would cost my kids. She says that she is not worthy enough. Like her happiness is not worth it, the pain she thinks would, it would cause her kids if she were to separate from the church and they were ostracized because of that. That resonated with me so much because, you know, and, and I don't think it's just the Mormon culture or this particular issue. I think that's what women go through when they have kids and then they are considering or thinking about or in a situation where they have to make a decision about their happiness where Versus the family's happiness or the kids happiness or separating from their husbands or being a little bit more independent following their own dreams they have to constantly you have that guilt that is your happiness worth their pain are they not going to have the quote-unquote normal life because you are going you have decided that you're going to focus on yourself and your happiness right yeah Is that even right? Is that even okay to do when you've had them and they should be first priority, right? So I think that was very identifiable um, moment for me, at least with Heather was to think about uh, who do we put first and is it okay for us to put ourselves first once in a while? And Mm -hmm. how do we justify that? The other flip side that she also brings about is you also start thinking, what if I don't put myself first and show that as an example for my daughter? Yeah. Will she also, you know, you, you, you end up not putting yourself first, your daughter sees that and then she falls into the same pattern. So you're not break, breaking up this, you know, the cycle. That's a that's a difficult balance to hit. You know, I know that I have to put myself first just to show my daughter that she should do so herself. And when the situation shows up, she should do the same. But at the same time, is this the right time for that teachable moment? Or yep. should I wait? Because she's not quite ready to yep. differentiate between the pain that she would feel versus the lesson she might learn. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not something that's specific to the Mormon community. I think it's such a relatable moment because the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter which community you come from. Women are constantly held to a different standard because for some reason we are the reason why children end up good or bad. It ends up being the women who feel like they're at fault for the type 
of children that they raise, right? I don't think men go through the same quandary mm-hmm. when they no. want to move on or focus on their own lives because they've always focused on their own lives. Women don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting that Heather is so concerned about how her daughters are going to be treated because they have a mom who decided to lose the ch- leave the church when mm-hmm. her husband is the one that decided to file for divorce. Mm-hmm. He's the one that fi- decided to file for divorce because he's privileged enough to exist in a community where if he decides to do a thing that's frowned upon, he's not going to get kicked out of the community. He can marry 15 other times if he wants to, and it won't matter. But what Heather does in her life is going to impact her daughters. And I think there probably is also because they're girls. She knows that her girls are going to be treated differently because they're girls. And she knows that this is a community that isn't necessarily supportive to girls. And, you know, I I do want to make a note about the fact that, like, there are obviously people that thrive in the Mormon tradition. Um, Just like there's things in, you know, my religion and my culture in my community that I think are questionable or I, I think should be reformed. I believe that there are people who those rules work for. You know, if you look at just like Lisa who is just unbelievably boring. Like, my God, why was this woman cast on the show? I do not understand. But for Lisa, this works. She's got a boring-ass husband with boring-ass kids, and, like, it works for her. I know lots of people that Mormonism works for. So it's not to say that this doesn't work for everybody, but I think we always have to make sure that we take care of the outliers of our communities, right? You always have to take care of the people that are the most vulnerable, the single moms, orphans, poor folks, stuff like that. But it seems to me the way that they're portraying it, at least in part of the Mormon community that these women belong to, which is successful Mormon communities, like wealthy Mormons. And we know that wealthy people in particular religious groups just have a different standard. It's very different because money makes everything a little bit different, right? So we know that these people belong to a specific type of Mormon community, being Mormon by like generations and being wealthy and being successful and how everybody's got eyes on you then at that point. Mm -hmm. But for that particular type of group, they're not taking care of people like Heather. It doesn't work for people like Heather there. And it might work for other people, who don't have, you know, a business and generations of family. And, you know, like we say, like the Handan, right? Like your dynasty yeah. to protect. I'm yeah. sure it's easier for them to leave, but we have to make sure that we protect the people who feel the most vulnerable. And I, I like the fact that Heather's talking about it because you never know. Who knows? Somebody might watch this and feel connected to it from her community and say, yeah, I wish that we could do better for people like her. Yeah, I didn't and, know that she was hurting. You can be believe in the church and believe in in Mormonism, but you don't necessarily have to interact or be a regular at the church and interact with the folks that go to the church or any of that. You don't have to be socially involved necessarily with them to believe in that religion. But what happens is when you live in a very close-knitted community and you don't have friends outside of the community and you don't have support outside of the community, you can feel very isolated. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think Heather's coming from is that it's not that she doesn't, she she's scared that she's going to lose her religion per se. She's, she's scared of lo- uh, being isolated and feeling isolated. And she's felt that so she doesn't want her kids to feel that. Yeah, and I think it's also difficult to exist in the gray area when you do belong to an organized religion like this that is so strict. Mm -hmm. I think it's difficult to exist in the gray. It's really hard to find your space there. And Heather says it. That's what she says. She says, I am Mormon. I drink and I date and I do all this, but 
I still am Mormon. It's still who I am. It's still a foundation of what makes me me and how I raise my children. You can't take that away from me. Right. I still am the person that I am, mm-hmm. but I also do these other things and those things don't negate each other. And I mm-hmm. think that that's the thing that Heather's trying to highlight is like, you can be a good person while you exist in the gray and all of us should really be striving to exist in the gray area. It's like we said earlier, you don't have to pick Monique or Candace. Yeah. You can exist in the gray area and just enjoy all of it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. And it's it's about giving ourselves that grace and forgiveness to exist in that gray area. That is yes. the part that we don't. We have to do that. It, it doesn't come from the outside. It has to come from us. And you have to forgive yourself to exist in the gray area, you know, gray and enjoy it. And Absolutely. you have to be willing to do so. And that comes from a lot of introspection and takes a lot of courage. So, you know, what I would actually love to see is just to show on Heather and how she navigates all of that and dates and gets married. <laughs> yeah, if we had a stupid ass fucking show for Shep yeah. dating, we need yeah. one for Heather. Okay. Right. If Bravo wants to start like Housewives Bachelorette, mm-hmm. oh my God, Heather oh would be God. number one. I would, yeah. I would want to see all of that. That would be a great show. Speaking of twisted advice in religion, <laughs> Jen Shah shares her mental health struggles and says that she was really out of control because mm-hmm. after her father passed away, she realized how lonely she was and she was struggling with depression and anxiety. And her husband told her, mm-hmm. just pray about it and stay, stay strong. Yeah. And it wasn't until she had a complete breakdown that her kids said, I think you should go on medication, that she finally decided she's going to go on meds. I got to mm. say, like, I love you, Coach Sharif, but what the fuck? Why would you tell her that? <laughs> like, we don't do that in our house. We just pray about it. Oof. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. but also she seems to be on some medication where she's going from being very hyper at one point to being completely subdued and scared and not functional. She had to be told to eat. She had to be told to take her medication. Mm-hmm. They felt like assistant or maid or whoever was like literally hand-holding her that morning because she was, she had a breakdown. She couldn't function. And, and then she has a hyper moment where she is like full of energy energy, running around, skating, doing things. So I feel like whatever medication she's uh, taking, I hope that she finds her balance quite soon because, wait, this is a whole other person. I don't understand this. It was very jarring to see that because then later on, she says something that I found was really interesting. So she is talking about being lonely and how it's taking such a toll on her mental health and everything like that. And then later she goes to dinner. First she goes to dinner with Jen and Meredith and Heather. And Meredith is talking about what's going on with her and Seth and how they're just trying to rediscover each other. And Jen doesn't believe it. Then later, Jen goes to Whitney's house to do pole dancing and that's where jen just starts to spill the tea and whitney is horrified whitney's like why the fuck would you say this yeah jen says about meredith that she knows that something else is going on because she says if you're not getting it at home you're getting it from somewhere else but does that mean that also that's what jen is doing and that's why jen is acting out is because is that what jen wants is like she just wants to get some from the side and then if that's the case why is she messing with meredith like if meredith is your friend right and you know that you are so super depressed and sad because you're not getting it from anywhere not from outside Mm -hmm. or inside 
mm-hmm. now you're dinging your friend because she's getting to figure out what she wants to do like that's really fucked up like yeah. i was like jen Shaw, you just took a nosedive my friend yeah. like yeah so again see you saw her the one scene where she's like all subdued can barely function and then she comes out swinging this way and she's talking about meredith probably having an affair and having getting some on the side and, and meredith at one point had in, earlier in the season had said that she and seth had an open relationship for a while they both dated right so yeah Maybe Meredith suggested that to Jen and Jen is now twisting that into something much more spicier than what Meredith said. Jen seems like the kind of person who would, just to make things less boring in her life, Mm -hmm. spice things up a little bit. Just to make things – just to keep herself interesting. And it's really sad because that all comes from a place of like deep sadness and insecurity because Mm -hmm. she is home alone all the time. I mean she has a bunch of paid friends. She's always alone. She doesn't really have her husband around. Like it's very – it's really quite something to see Jen go from this like I'm this like boss bitch fabulous lady first episode to now what we're on like episode seven or something and she's just unraveling like I think there's a preview for next week of her just going ballistic on Whitney and like yelling at Whitney because her marriage is fucked up and it's like I am excited about next week because I love a rise and fall of a housewife that's what I love and then I I think it was uh, this week also set up a little bit of Lisa and her husband's issues which was like she all she talks about her kids were like making goals and stuff which were first of all problematic goals weird yep weird but hers were all about the business and everybody got uncomfortable she's treating her role on the show like it's like an episode of shark tank or something like it's yeah. really bizarre and i don't like yeah. it you're no bethany frankel ma'am get out of here yeah i find her boring uh, even with this additional information i was like yeah still weird don't yeah wanna don't want to watch her yeah exactly so i think so far all the only person i really want to watch is heather and maybe jensha and whitney and whitney yeah yeah but whitney also because whitney just seems like she has a good head on her shoulders yeah, but oh, didn't something come up on Whitney like recently? Oh yeah, no. oh god, yeah, that's right. So that? Whitney, so the tea on Whitney right now is that Whitney's husband Justin might be involved in some sort of uh, pyramid scheme. Yeah, and he might owe people lots of money. I was like, ah, oh, crap, because yeah. um, Utah is like MLM central. There's yeah. a lot of MLM business happening, so um, that's why they think that that might be it. But oof, <laughs> I was like, damn it. Damn it, Whitney. I knew it was too good to be true. <laughs> but overall, but, great week in Bravo. Yeah, it was. On our next episode, we're going to talk about fabulous lives of Bollywood wives. Find us on and- Instagram, the reality is pod. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye. bye.